Welcome to Break Bias. I'm your host, Brad Kramer. It's bonus episode number three. Yes, I'm not making this episode 23. It's not a regular episode, so it is officially bonus episode number three, and this is a special one. There's no interview, uh, but we're going to have a lot of fun anyway. We're going to talk about the F1 season so far, a bit of a mid-season recap. i got a lot of fun topics planned, guys. And then next week, it's going to be Tim Haraney part two, so I can't wait for you guys to hear that. Uh, and yeah, just like that, guys, it's the gap of the summer break. It's going to be bridged by this episode. Um, and the Tim Haraney episode, and then we're going to be right back to previewing the Belgian Grand Prix. So, uh, yeah, lots and lots to get into today. So let's get topic number one out of the way. We're doing some good old driver rankings. It's lights out, and away we go. Okay, guys, it's a 20-driver grid. Um, I'm not including Nico Hulkenberg from the first two races of the season. I'm sorry, Nico, but a lot of drivers to go over here, so I'm not going to waste any time right into P20. By the way, guys, I just want to preface that this is not a ranking of who I think are the best drivers. It is a lot to do with how I feel they've performed so far this season. And expectations do matter. So you'll, I think you'll notice that when, well, probably when I, when I say number 20 here, because I'm going with Daniel Ricciardo. Yes, Daniel Ricciardo in last place. He is he has disappointed me more than any driver by far, and that is the reason that he is in number twenty. I, I'm putting him dead last because, well, he achieved good results in Australia and Baku, but even even Australia wasn't too impressive. It was his best result of the season, but really he was just matching his teammate. I feel like most of us remember the guy that was Verstappen's best match as a teammate that we've seen and a proven race winner. But we can't pretend now that being on par with Lando is a good weekend. That's just what should be expected of him. So, yeah, I had really high hopes this year that 2022, the new rags would be a good reset for Daniel. But clearly it wasn't. And by the way, you know, like I said, this doesn't mean that I think he's the worst driver on the grid. It's just that he has fallen so far below my expectations, more so than anyone, like by far, that he has to be in P20. He has performed shockingly low this season, and somebody has to be in 20th, guys. You know, I, I honestly think we have a great grid of drivers, but somebody has to be 20th on this list. And I've gone with everyone's favorite Aussie, the Honey Badger. Danny Rick, DR3, yeah, it, it sucks. I love the guy, but 20th. Now, 19 just has to be Nicholas Latifi. Uh, it just it has to be, right? Uh, only driver without a point so far. He's had way more weekends off the pace than on it. The only reason I've gone for Daniel P20 and not Nicholas P20 is that, like I said, the expectations. Um, he's let me down so many more times than Nicky has. In fact, I've actually been impressed with Nikki a few times, um, probably more often than Daniel. And that's not saying a whole lot because I really haven't been impressed with Daniel um, at all this season, besides maybe Baku, where I found that like he was maybe better than Lando that weekend. But again, that's I feel like we're patronizing Daniel a bit, honestly, by being impressed by performances like that. Um, but yeah, I'm talking way too much about Daniel. This is Nikki's time. It, it took Nikki a lot longer to adjust, um, I think, than most. Um, but he is in the worst car. 
Latifi's only teammates in F1 have been two guys that have raced at Red Bull and Mercedes. I think that has to count for something. Albon is no slouch. And Latifi at times is, has got the better of Albon. Uh, there's just too many moments, though, with Latifi that, unfortunately, he's just nowhere. And it, and it really stands out. And he's really far off. So I feel like, yeah, even if he wasn't a good car, it's not like we'd be seeing amazing results from Nicholas Latifi based on what we've seen. We can only go off of what we've seen, right? Um, Nick DeVries coming in um, and matching him in an FP3, FP1 session didn't look great either. Um, but I, I honestly thought he had a really good hungry. I thought Nicholas was fantastic in Silverstone. So, yeah, he edges ahead of Daniel Ricciardo barely. But, yeah, the, these two are, are kind of in their own league in the bottom two as far as I'm concerned. Um, number 18, this, this might be a bit surprising, but I've gone with Pierre Gasly. Uh, mistakes, uh, you know, two-thirds of his 16 points have come from one great race in Baku. His car isn't there this year compared to where it usually is, but he's not getting the most out of it like we expect him to. I said last year, I believe he was one of the most overrated drivers, honestly. And I like Pierre, but people were sleeping on that Alpha Tower last year. It was a pretty solid car. The reason they weren't P5 in the constructors was because of how awful Yuki Tsunoda was. Like that car was a clear best of the rest, in my opinion, yet they they didn't finish in p5 they felt they were behind alpine um and that is really all to do with yuki and i thought yuki would be better this year um i still expected pierre to get the better of yuki though and he he really hasn't like he is outperforming yuki but not as much as i think most of us expected from pierre I haven't really been impressed with Gasly once this year besides Baku, and that's a track that he just absolutely loves. Um, Bahrain was a good performance. It was a shame that he had to retire. Um, looking back, that that would have been his fourth points finish in 13 races. He only has three points finishes, guys. That is definitely um, like it, that is definitely evident of the car. Um, but yeah, just just not good for Pierre. A lot of Q1 exits as well that have been really surprising. Uh, 17, I'm going with the other Alphatari, Sonoda. I think I think these guys have maybe been the worst driver pairing of the season so far. Um, the step up for this year, Yuki, is there, but it just hasn't been a big enough one. I feel like Yuki, um, like I, I like him. I, I, I like him, but something's got to give because honestly – he had a really great start to the season, and, and you can't forget that. This is not – I can't allow recency bias to affect these rankings, but it feels like he's fallen back into some old habits in the second part of the first half of the season. Um, what he did in Canada crashing from the pit lane was shocking, and he's really just been bad since Spain. Uh, I'm really hoping that you know this break can maybe do him a favor and maybe get Alvatari as a whole back on track. Uh, because it's been a bit, it's been a rough go for a while now for them as a as a tandem. Five straight pointless finishes for the team. Yuki's out here, like fin- like finishing really low or like spinning or just costing himself. He punted off Gasly in Silverstone. Like it was, yeah, no, really, really bad from Yuki. And the only reason he's ahead of of Pierre is because again expectations. Yuki has made a step forward. Pierre's made a step back. So. That is essentially why, even though it's not a big step forward, I've gone with Yuki in P17. And P17, is, guys, is still nothing to be uh, proud of. Um, but it is ahead of Pierre. 
Pierre has let me down this season. So th that's really the only reason for that. 16, I think some of you may have expected me to have him a bit lower, a bit lower but I'm going with Lance Stroll. Um, who is the only driver besides Lewis Hamilton who hasn't retired from a race or at least has been classified in every race? Yeah, it's, it's Lance Stroll, guys. I'm sure you all knew that going into this podcast. Um, but yeah, again, I can't allow recency bias to put him any higher than 16th. I think Lance has actually had a really strong, um, no, not, a, not a strong season, but he's had strong under-the-radar races. And, and Gasly actually has two, to be fair. I didn't mention that. Like, he was actually really good in Hungary, but you don't see it because he finished 12th. He started from the pit lane and actually had a really good race. But anyway, I, I, I think Lance is always moving up on Sundays. To be fair, that's because he's underqualified the car on so many occasions this year. But I have noticed your good races, Lance. Don't worry. I've noticed them. Uh, Canada was excellent at home. Um, he's been great in back-to-back -back races to end the first half. France and Hungary are both excellent performances from him. But even Alex Albon and Williams has managed a better result than Lance. Lance has a couple points finishes. I think four, but they're all P10s. Um, and even Albon's been in P9. And, you know, there's no reliability bad luck that Stroll's had. Uh, so yeah, I think if he could just put a whole weekend together that he actually could achieve some better results than P10, but he's always have, he always has this monster comeback that he has to do because he qualifies so poorly. So yeah, I, I think if he actually could qualify well, he'd be a, an, a, an underrated talent in F1 because his race pace is actually decent. Um, but yeah, Baku qualifying, if anyone remembers that, crashing twice and just kind of like ruining the qualifying and making that ridiculous scenario at the end of Q1 automatically puts him in the bottom five. I, I, I cannot put Lance in higher than that because that was that was not a good look. Uh, 15, I'm going with Mick Schumacher. Uh, way too hit and miss, uh, but that seems to be just the story of Haas this year. He's had two great results. But I feel like Kevin's consistency has been very, like, it's it's showed because Mick has kind of got slapped up by Kevin a little bit. And to be fair to Mick, I consider this his rookie season, but I did expect more from him. The start of the season was very shaky. The incident costing him points in Bahrain, crashes in Saudi and Monaco, um, and Magnussen, you know, looks great in Imola when Mick finishes in P17. Um, I think Mick's come around. He said that he, he takes a while to get up to speed and usually has a great second half. So I'm hoping for it because his seat in F1 is not confirmed. Um, but the reason for that is because he has looked average at best this season. Um, 14, I'm going with Zhou Guan Yu, uh, the rookie of the year. <laughs> he is the only rookie. That, that is why. Um, for real, though, I, I'm not sure what has happened to Alpha's pace, uh, but Joe has been on it. Uh, a point in his, his first race, I think he's actually impressed me as much as anyone on this grid this year. Like, even more so than maybe the guy I'm putting in number one. Joe has impressed me a ton. But he's still down in 14th uh, because, honestly, I do think he lacks a bit of raw pace. Uh, his demeanor, racecraft, um, ability to match Bottas, that can't be understated. He, he's This guy's no joke, and I really hope he gets a race in China. But... You know, I think 14th as a rookie is actually a pretty solid place to be. No shame in that, but I can't really put him any higher. 
because I think at 13 is where we start to get some guys who I think have had some pretty good seasons. Uh, and I'm going with Alex Albon at 13. He's had some moments of absolute brilliance. What he did in Australia was mad impressive. One of the best drives of the season. Um, he's been firmly on top of Nicholas, a more experienced driver within the team after a year off from the sport. Um, and straight away, he impresses. Uh, at times, he's looked a bit pedestrian, but a driver is really hard to gauge when you're in the 10th fastest car. Um, you know, even a driver as great as Russell took a long time to even score points. So, yeah, I, it's hard to know where Alex really stands on the grid. Um, so that's why I've, I think I've put him at the bottom of the guys who I think I'm going to start saying have had actually pretty solid seasons. So I apologize. If you think maybe Albon should be a bit higher. I honestly, I'm not going to argue it, but I'm going to put him in 13th just behind Kevin Magnuson in 12th. At times, Kevin has blown me away this season, but other times he's left me with my face in my palms, frankly. Um, he's been on top of his young teammate quite handily almost everywhere this year, but he's thrown away great point-scoring opportunities for Haas at both Canada and Spain by just being over-eager. Um, and those those are type of mistakes that you make, like, like a Mick Schumacher, like a rookie would make, not, not this veteran that is like... He's a veteran in the sport, and he's making rookie mistakes is, I guess, the way to say it. Um, yeah, you just can't be making those mistakes. But, you know, France qualifying, that was underrated. I mean, engine penalty just goes up for one lap and makes Q3 and each, like, his teammate qualified P19, and he is out here doing it in one lap, getting himself into Q3. That was that was crazy. Um, and, of course, Bahrain, the Viking comeback, uh, Saudi, Imola, those were all fantastic performances. But this Haas is unfortunately just a bit of a mystery as, as to when it's going to perform. Like, who knows when Haas is, is going to come out into a weekend and just be good. Like, I feel like no one has any idea whether it's going to be a track their car likes or doesn't like. <laughs> like, nobody knows. But, yeah, anyway, I think at 11... This is a guy that I think many people would have higher than me, and I'm going with Valtteri Bottas. Yeah, I, I feel like a lot of you will be surprised by that. Valtteri had an absolutely phenomenal start. Bahrain, Imola, and Spain especially were brilliant drives. I thought Spain was honestly an incredible drive from Valtteri. Um, but, and actually, in Miami, he was really good in Miami until... Um, hit the marbles. He was right there with the Mercedes. Uh, lost a couple positions when he just ran wide because that track was wild if you were off the racing line. Just no grip out there. Um, but yeah, everything has just gone the other direction with Valtteri now. And I'm not sure if I can just mark that down as an Alfa Romeo problem. Like, Joe has been matching him more. Like, Baku, he, Valtteri said he was having problems with the car, and I believe him. But, like, he got his ass handed to him by his rookie teammate there. And at other races recently, like, this rookie has caught right up to him. So, honestly, I think – I honestly think that Alpha had one of the strongest packages to open the season, and that's why you saw Bottas up there. And that is kind of the stance I'm taking because if that isn't the case, then you really do have to give him more credit. But I just have a, I just have a feeling that we've seen Alpha not score points for a little bit now. And I think it's because other teams have caught up. They've kind of fallen back. And I think Joe just didn't perform at the same level as Bottas right away because he's a rookie. 
So that that's my explanation for that. Bottas has still had a great season, though. 11th is not bad. Um, but there's somebody on this list that I think a lot of people might be surprised that I have ahead of Bottas, and that's Sebastian Vettel at 10. He's really struggled with qualifying this year as well, uh, like his teammate has due to their car, but he's still on top of Lance, 8-3 to three in quality head-to-heads. Vettel has managed not only more points finishes, but better results than P10 as well. P6 in Baku, P8 in Imola, P9 at Silverstone. And he's been there almost picking up points on many occasions as well. He's picked up a couple P11s in Miami. He was about to score before his incident with Mick. Um, like in France, he got cut off by Lance. If that hadn't have happened, he actually might have been able to outdrag him to the line. Um, so, yeah, honestly, I know some of you might mention Australia because that was maybe one of the worst driver performances of the season. But I'm I'm willing to give him a pass for that. I'm, I'm just going to delete it from his season. It was an absolute mess of a weekend for Aston. It was also his first race in 2022 in the new cars. He immediately made up for it the next weekend with P8 and MLS. So I'm not holding it much against him like I am Lance and Baku because that was kind of in the middle of the first half of the season. So, yeah, Vettel P10. I actually think he's driven that Aston Martin brilliantly this year. Nine, I'm going with someone in the top team. I'm going with Carlos Sainz. I think he's had the worst season out of everyone in the top six. Um, He's definitely come around, but I think had I done this just a little earlier, like say after the Spanish Grand Prix, I think that was round six. If I had done a ranking after round six, Sainz would have been in my bottom ten. His pace was notably off Charles. He was making a lot of mistakes. And there's a reason that he's only 10 points away from being behind not one, but two Mercedes this year and arguably the quickest car on the grid. It's not all his fault whatsoever, but unfortunately part of it undoubtedly is. And I do think it's been a big year for him, like milestone-wise. He's definitely learning how to drive a front-running car. He is adapting and he is closing that gap. Um, but the beginning of the season, I'm really holding against him because it was it was not good at all um yeah and i was tempted to put him ahead of sergio perez who i have an eighth because sergio is a really tricky one Uh, i had i actually had him ahead of sergio but the beginning of the season for checo keeps him in there um one part of me kind of feels for checo and the other part of me doesn't because the team has quite clearly made an effort to move the car in a direction max uh wants since monaco since his daddy uh, got involved. (laughs) Um, But yeah, the performance gap has grown quite large between the Red Bull pair. However, uh, I do think Checo was right there with Max to open the season, just a tad behind. I believe he probably would have won in Saudi uh, had he not had the bad luck with the safety car. He was obviously brilliant in Monaco, actually on top of Max, clear of Max that weekend, no question about it. Um, In Baku, you know, he out-qualifies Max, but then in the race, he just loses out big time. And then he has a shocking weekend in Canada. And, and since then, he's never really looked like early season Checo. He did have a great last stint um, in Silverstone, you know, the comeback. He was really never there at all until the safety car. Like, people talk about it was a great comeback. Like, he got super lucky in Silverstone and then drove a good last stint on the softs. But, yeah, um, P9, or sorry, P8 sounds pretty bad for Sergio, but I really do think this is the point where I just don't have that many bad things to say. 
Um, when you're in a car that's that good, I guess it is easier to pick at things because, you know, you should be achieving better results. Um, because let's be honest, this guy went from being in the championship fight right there. We were talking about it uh, to finishing behind Mercedes very fast. So, yeah, it's just it's not a great look. So number seven, this is a guy that on other other like content creators that have made these rankings lists um, have had lower than me. And I I get it. There's there's one point that they can make that I understand having them low. But I just can't see Esteban Ocon being like in the bottom 10. Like this guy's probably been the most consistent driver of the year, barring one guy that I'm going to talk about in, in a sec. He's putting the car where it belongs, race in and race out. I mean, that's kind of what you want from a driver. And considering all this Alpine nonsense that um, I guess I'm not really getting into this episode because we have a lot to talk about. And I'm kind of late to the party at this point. Uh, it happened right after I recorded last podcast, which is kind of unfortunate. But yeah, he he is actually going to be a great leader of the team next year if he can just keep putting in these performances. Because what better of a, of a guy to go up against to like gauge who, how good your second driver is than Esteban Ocon right now. He's finishing every race where the car should be. Like P8 and P9 is where the Alpine should be. <laughs> P7 is exactly the maximum result that you can get at the top six finish. And this guy has like so many P8s and P9s this year. It is crazy. It's just Lando has been better than him. Fernando Alonso has been better than him. Um, and obviously those are two names that I've not mentioned yet. So you're going to, you know, that they're going to be ahead of Ocon. Um, but yeah, he's got a strong car. He's not dragging it onto the front row or anything, but he's been great. And that's really all I have to say. Like, there's not much bad I can say about Ocon. It just, he's not a championship winning talent, but he's maximizing what he can get out of the car. So, you know, I, I, that's really all there is to say. Six, uh, my guy, Lewis Hamilton. Um, and really, he's only this high because of what he's done since Canada. Like, after Baku, he he also might have been in the bottom 10 had I did a ranking then. Uh, like, guys like Bottas, Magnussen, Albon probably would have been higher than Hamilton at that point. But, you know, Lewis has just looked like his old self as of late. And Hungary is honestly really, like, made me think about 2021, where he and Max were just miles clear of everyone um, you know, he's looked phenomenal against five consecutive podiums recently, but you know, I'm not going to forget Imola and his, uh, like P13 in that race, Q1 exit in Saudi. Those were really bad looks for him. Um, the car has been insanely hard to drive, but his rookie teammate, well, not rookie, sorry, but first year in the team has handled with that better than him. And that is just not good for Lewis Hamilton when you when you when it comes to these rankings he suffered much more bad luck than George but you know it's it's just not a good look for him to be down on points going into the summer break it's not like it's five races it's 13 rounds we're more than halfway into the season and Lewis is still down he is he is last of the top three cars in points so yeah there's that's really that's really all there is to it Number five, I've gone with, it was tight between five and four. I'm going with Fernando Alonso at five. He's absolutely deserving of top five this year. People saying that Ocon is performing better because he has more points just aren't watching races. The comparison of luck is a joke. Like Ocon's performance in Austria has really the only 
performance that has come close to like a Fernando level performance. Alonso has had the unluckiest season of anyone, more so than than Joe, who has the most DNFs, more so than Hamilton, more so than Leclerc. I think Alonso's luck has been a joke. Um, he's put on some of like the most incredible performances of the season, I'd say, like Austria Quali until or sorry, Australia Quali until his car quit on him. Uh, Canada Quali in the wet going P2 in an Alpine, insane. P9 from the back of the grid in Spain. Uh, P5 at the British Grand Prix, getting himself in that mix uh, with the top guys was very impressive. P6 and at the French Grand Prix. Um, and he's up on Esteban, 8-5 to five in Quali. Uh, so, yeah, what a resurgent season he's been having. Um, he's honestly one of the most purely talented racing drivers of all time. I can't believe he's gone to Aston Martin. But, yeah, just what a season so far it's been for Alonso. And I think that we could see Alonso on the podium in one of these last nine races. Lando Norris, I've been super, super high on since the beginning of last season. I think this guy is a huge reason for the downfall of Danny Rick, honestly. Uh, Lando is one of the best on the grid, as far as I'm concerned. He was slightly more impressive last year, in my opinion, as I think... Uh, he, he was actually my driver of the first half in 2021, even over Max, who hadn't even put a foot wrong. It was just Lando was that impressive. Um, but, yeah, I think I think Lando being the only driver outside of the top three teams that has been able to manage a podium this season speaks volumes. I mean, he hasn't had the bad luck of Alonso. He, he, he's beating both Alpines in an inferior car, though. Like, in my opinion, he, he scored – well – Okay, sorry, let me rephrase. He, he scored in all but three Grand Prix. And all of those weren't his fault. Uh, he was taken out by Gasly in Miami. And McLaren just provided him nothing to work with in Bahrain and Canada. So if he's scoring in every other race, tonsillitis didn't even get in this guy's way. Like, come on. He, he's otherwise just been exceptional and maximizes what's possible more often than he doesn't and that is just the mark of a pretty good racing driver if you ask me so i have lando super high up here even though he's really not done anything special besides that podium in imola i i don't care <laughs> lando has been insane this year super under the radar but still so good number three mr consistency george russell Yes, it's uh, it's a brand new car for everyone, but my God, is it impressive to still be leading Lewis Hamilton after 13 rounds in your first year against him. Like, I don't think this would have happened at all had he started against Lewis in the last generation of cars because the reset is, I think, a big reason for that and the fact that the performance of the car isn't as strong as it typically is for Mercedes. But that doesn't take anything away from George. I mean, he's been a consummate professional has been crucial for Mercedes this year and their position in the in the championship. Like what a driving pairing, driver pairing that Mercedes has at the moment. My best on the grid, hands down. But like this guy's got his first pole. Lewis doesn't have a pole. One of the greatest drivers of all time. He doesn't have a pole or a race win. George has a pole. George has more points than him. He has been there every single race. He still has that going. If you take out Silverstone, which he got taken out right away, you could argue that it's his fault, but whatever. He's still top five in every single race so far. He has not had a bad weekend yet. So, yeah, number three, George, what a season you're having. I really hope you keep it going. 
I really hope Mercedes can each of their driver can get a win this year. That would be fantastic. But the number two has to be like the top two have to be these guys. And number two, it's got to be Charles Leclerc. He's really blown me away this season. And I really think had it not been for France, um, I actually might have considered him at one. But that was a huge mistake. Um, I've been adamant that he shouldn't be in just like he shouldn't be just in the fight with Max. He should be leading the championship. Not once this season have I felt Max beat him on pure pace when the Ferrari was the better car that day. Things just keep happening. Um, of course, we didn't get to see what would have happened in France, Baku or Silverstone. Um, we didn't see those play out because of Ferrari. <laughs> Special circumstances, I guess we'll call it. But Charles is an unbelievable talent, especially in qualifying. It's evident by the amount of poles he has. And the only thing holding him back from a title is his team. And I firmly believe that this guy's got the talent. Number one is Max Verstappen. He's been clear of everyone this year. It has to be said. Eight wins in 13 races. Yes, a lot of them have been gifted to him um, by Ferrari. Not like He's not getting lucky. He is a fantastic driver. He, he's deserved his wins. Um, but yeah, his approach this year has been what's most impressive. He's had one true bad weekend all year in my eyes, and that's Monaco. If that's the standard that you set, getting third in Monaco, um, then that's truly something special. P7 in the broken car at Silverstone was an underrated drive. A win from P10 in Hungary, sensational. Some of my favorite wins of his season this year were Saudi Arabia and Canada. Canada was cold-blooded what he did to Carlos Sainz. Mightily impressive. Um, this guy's on another level right now, and he's going to be extremely hard to beat for years to come. Um, so, yeah, that's all I got for the driver rankings. I hope you guys like those. Um, so now I'm going to do a podium of the best races of the season so far. So we've had 13 rounds of racing in 2022. I think it's been a very successful season. And if Ferrari wasn't Ferrari-ing, then we'd have ourselves a fantastic championship. But unfortunately, we don't. Nevertheless, we have been treated to some great races this season. Uh, races are going to be judged in this podium by entertainment value, purely by entertainment value which is very subjective, I know. Uh, so I imagine there will be a lot of disagreement for those listening, but hey, I think it's gonna be really fun. So P3, I've gone for Hungary. It was really close with Austria, uh, and I want to honorably mention Spain and Saudi Arabia. Those were fantastic races. Um, but I've gone for Hungary because of one simple reason, and that was we had all six of the top drivers uh, in the top cars fighting each other. Austria had probably some of the best midfield fighting we've seen all season. Um, but hungry, you know, we had the move from Ricardo, the Ferrari meltdown, Max winning from P10 with a spin, uh, George defending out front. I'm not including qualifying. So that just want you guys to know that. So, but still he's defending out front from pole position, Hamilton with that incredible charge at the end. Um, yeah. So all those things have me going with hungry by a hair over Austria. I really loved Austria too. Um, so yeah, they're, they're P3, P4. I'll give you my explanation for Hungary. I'll, I'll go with Hungary P3. Um, these guys are the undoubted top two, these races. Bahrain kicked off the season with the two championship protagonists having an incredible battle, probably still one of my favorite battles of the season. And that race is still enjoyable to go back and watch today. Like that fight between Leclerc and Verstappen, 
fantastic. But then also we had Magnussen's Viking comeback. We had the shock of the Red Bulls at the end. Uh, Bottas and Joe in all sorts of midfield fights. Um, yeah, there was just not a better way to start off the new regs than what we got in Bahrain. Um, definitely one of the most underrated tracks in F1 too, by the way. Bahrain, fantastic for racing. Uh, I, it doesn't get the love it deserves because it's not in Europe. Let's be honest. Um, P1, inarguable Britain. The, U, the British Grand Prix, what an absolute treat this was. Um, if you're not a Hamilton fan, you may not have adored what we had before the safety car. But after the safety car was without a doubt some of the best racing most of us have seen in a long time. Like a long, long time. Like that was so amazing. Uh, I just remember having three words to say after seeing how close the five cars got um, of Leclerc, Perez, Hamilton, Alonso, and Norris. Like they're going through Brooklyn's and Luffield all like neck and neck. And I just said 2021 could never. 2021 could never. Last year, what a great season we had, but th the cars that we had last year, that wasn't even possible. And the, yes, the drivers probably should have got penalties. It was such aggressive racing, but that's what we love to see. Let's be honest. Um, and had the safety car not happened, I still really would have enjoyed the race because I think Hamilton had a chance to win had he not lost uh, so much time in, with a bad pit stop. But, you know, as Kanye West once said, I guess we'll never know. So <laughs> there's my podium for best races of the season. Um, now I'm going to go to my bold predictions for the rest of the season. So, yeah, the last part of my summer recap, not actually a recap at all. Um, it's going to be all about what we can expect in the second half. I've come up with five bold predictions for the final nine races, and they're going to get progressively bolder. So my final one is going to be an absolutely out there prediction. And at the end of the year, we're going to we're going to look at these back and we're going to see how many I get right. Um, I'm going to list them by a percent of boldness. You'll, and you'll see. I'm just I'll just start. So at 20 percent, uh, my 20 percent bold prediction is going to be something that I've actually talked about already on this podcast. And that is Mercedes finishing P2 in the constructors. I think Ferrari will probably have the better car still for the rest of the season. But they have taken every little, ba every little bit of faith that I've had in Ferrari and put that faith on the hard tires at the Hungarian Grand Prix. <laughs> so, yeah, basically meaning that all faith in pace is gone. <laughs> um, yeah, like, like Charles Leclerc's pace, my faith in Ferrari is gone. Uh, so yeah, I got Mercedes passing them with, with strong reliability, great driving and team play, and improving car performance. So at 40%, doubling up the boldness for this one, I'm really stepping it up. I'm saying Ferrari will be the only team for the rest of the season to achieve a 1-2. Yep, I was just trashing Ferrari, but uh, and I do still think Mercedes will pass them. But I think they will achieve a 1-2 at either Suzuka or Singapore. I'm, I'm even, I'm even going to throw the races out, even though that's not a part of my bold prediction. I think it'll be at one of those places. Just have a feeling. Singapore has always been a Ferrari track or just a pure disaster. It's probably going to be one of those two this year as well. Um, so we'll see how it goes down. But I, I honestly don't see a Mercedes 1-2 for sure. 
And you'll see why I'm not saying there's going to be a Red Bull one either. So, yeah, uh, the only one, too, that's going to happen for the rest of the season is going to go the way of the Scuderia. And kind of segueing perfectly into this prediction at 60%, upping the ante, I'm going with Perez goes the rest of the year without a podium. Oh, boy, I'm getting risky with it now. I might have just lost a whole fan base. I don't know how many Mexican listeners I have. Probably not too many, but they are mad if you're out there. Um, yeah, Checo, I think, will come back a bit stronger in the second half. Not to mention we, we'd have a Mexican Grand Prix in the second half, which has always been a strong Red Bull track and a place that Sergio will definitely be amped for. This is definitely a real possibility, though, guys. As he is falling away from Max hard and he has been the sixth fastest of the top six of the past two grand prix um i think mercedes is going to keep getting better ferrari's pace is still really strong if they actually have a strong second half of the season guys it's only nine races we might not see checo up on that podium again now the 80 percent. i'm going to blow your mind holes with this prediction guys um and i'm going to say that hamilton will win the same amount of races as leclerc over the final nine rounds. Yep, I just said that. 80%, baby. We're, we're getting crazy with it. Leclerc, who's crossed the line in P1 this year three times, including a dominant Grand Slam in Australia, will match the output of Lewis Hamilton in the second half. I'm actually going to further this one and say Lewis Hamilton will pass Charles Leclerc in the championship. Um, and yeah, I'm just going to go out and say it. Both these guys are only scoring one win for the rest of the season. Uh, I got Max taking at least five wins, if not more, of the final nine rounds. So that doesn't leave much room for, for many more people to win a race. Um, I believe Lewis is going to get one win to keep his streak of winning a race every season alive. And Leclerc might win that 1-2 for Ferrari in like Singapore. But yeah, past that, nah. Ferrari is only... Well, Leclerc, I should say, is only winning one more race this season. That doesn't include Science. Science has really picked up his pace. I could see him winning a race in the second half. Now, 100%. My last and most ridiculous prediction. My all-in, 100% boldness rating prediction. You ready? Are you ready? I'm going with Daniel Ricciardo to score a podium. Yeah, I have zero reasoning for this. <laughs> um, really, besides the fact that it would be the most Daniel thing of all time to put a random amazing performance in and like do it in like Austin or something because he just felt good that day and he's got his mustache and his cowboy hat on before the race. And, you know, because he's on his way out of McLaren, it would just be like such a Daniel Ricciardo drive to survive moment. <laughs> and, yeah, honestly, probably won't happen. But I would absolutely love if it did. I think everyone would. It would just be hilarious. Um, and to be honest, I don't even care if any of my other predictions are wrong. If this one comes true, that's all I want. Because really, another reason why I did it this way and not just listing one to five, I did this percentage, is because I want all the predictions – that I do, I want them to to be right and equal 100%. So I don't care about the first four if the last one is right, because that's 100. So yeah, I hope I can get to 100% with these predictions. So yeah, that that's it though, guys. That was a really fun episode to do. Um, that's gonna that's gonna do it for bonus episode number three. I'm your host, Brad Kramer. Next week, I'll be releasing part two of Tim Haraney. 
It was a great conversation, so you'll definitely want to check that out. Goodbye.